As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or reading. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Sorry, Zucchini just decided to saunter past. Um, and uh, this week we're talking a found footage franchise, <laughs> a silly old bear, a young adult romance, bones, and a battle <laughs> reunion. God, oh ew. God. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about chucky this week because literally i was sitting here just like i was trying so i try i'll okay i won't it was incredibly distracting for what i was trying to do while i was watching it i'll just preface it with that and then we'll talk about it more specifically later but boy oh boy was my brain a frazzled right off the top though we have um there's a lot of gayness going on right now (laughs) 2023 is so gay it's incredible it's incredible because we had Skinamarink come out mm-hmm. and then this week we had Swallowed and then as of the drop of this episode uh, you can watch The Outwaters on Screenbox or you can rent it on v- or buy it on VOD. Yep. And then I think Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh is out in theaters and Winnie the Pooh's director is gay. So uh, all of the really good micro budget weird horror of this year is just gay as hell. Uh, that's really cool. So... And also, so, and actually, I'm talking about this later, but Hosera is also out as of this, and mm-hmm. that is queer as fuck, mm-hmm. too. So, and it's directed by a queer a punk. Per, uh, it's just, just so gay. It's so good. Ugh, 2023. Delivering us. Starting off strong. Starting off very strong. Um, But also starting off strong, I just want to throw it out here because, uh, I don't know if, if everyone else is as committed to MILF Manor as I am, but at this point, I just want to drop some little nuggets of what happened last week. Please. And so, MILF Mary Beth Manor already knows this Corner. <laughs> we need a jingle. Oh my Welcome God. Can you imagine? To the manor Minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, a recurring segment. <laughs> so I already sent this this text to Mary Beth. So I I she knows what I'm gonna say. But back in episode two, when they had like the secret board, and one of the secrets on the board that one of the men whose name is Jimmy uh wrote was he got pink eye eating ass. And this episode Ugh. or last week's episode How dirty was that ass? Girl. I can't even I don't I have I have questions that I don't necessarily want the answers to. <laughs> we don't have to have get questions. into the logistics of that, but it's horrific. <laughs> the gist of it. Bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so this week, I think I swear to God, I think the producers were like, what, four episodes in, I think, by this time. And I think the producers are like, Jesus Christ, none of these people are hooking up. <laughs> And they're like, we have to do something fast. No and so they cut a, they cut a family um, from it that was like scored the lowest on like the chemistry level. And then they decided to do speed dating was the challenge. And so the women all had to have speed dates with all the boys, not their own, thankfully. Um, I fucking hope not. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Prefer to ask chemistry between whom? The young men and the MILFs. Uh, no one is doing anything. No one is making moves. And when they do make moves, it's very weird and uncomfortable and nothing is, is going on. None of the hanky-panky is happening that I think the show wanted to happen. And so this week they had speed dating. And one of the women is very sexually aggressive. And the question that she keeps asking... <laughs> yes, Katie, this is all weird and uncomfortable. But one of the women who she keeps asking all of the men, would you pull a Jimmy? <laughs> Meaning, oh? would you eat her ass? And so it becomes like this refrain. She keeps asking him, would you pull a Jimmy? Would you pull a Jimmy? And so that has become Ooh. like something that me and my roommate say all the time now. It's like, don't pull a Jimmy or go pull a Jimmy. And I just, this show, this show is bad. But I can't stop watching. So there's a MILF Corner this week cool um i have something completely different and i have no idea how to transition from that to what i'm about to say i'm so sorry i just i don't have one um but i don't know if there's any good way to yeah transition i guess like manor. we're leaving the manor and going over to um the morgue um from phantasm because i showed steve phantasm yeah because he was like, oh, shit, you watched it? Like, I really wanted to watch it. I was like, well, I love the movie, so I would, of course, like, love to watch it with you. So um, we had a, our Valentine's Day dinner was Korean barbecue at the new Korean barbecue street place down the street. And then watching Phantasm, getting violently high and then watching Phantasm. Um, iconic Valentine's Day, 10 out of 10, obsessed. Um, would not change. Would not change a thing. He was, I, I said, I am just warning you. Not nothing makes any sense. When I tell you that you will have more questions than answers, I mean this deeply. Think about when you watch Suspiria. That's this experience, kind of. And he was like, okay. And at the yeah. end, he was like, you were so right. What the fuck is happening in this movie? I was like, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And um, he didn't like it as much as I did, but he, he, liked, he enjoyed it, but he was like, not a lot happens. I'm like, yeah, it's nightmare logic. And he's like, I do love the nightmare logic. So yes, it was a very, it was an incredible experience to show it 
to him. Um, it's just like it's one of those movies that I enjoyed while watching, but then I had such a great time discussing it. Yeah, that like my appreciation for it grew mm-hmm. when we talked yeah. to Ryuhei yeah. Kitamura. Well, and it was just like so funny because I don't even think we talked about this in that episode where um they like rip off Dune in like several parts when he puts his hand in the box. And it's like, yes. it's like, it's exactly Dune. And it's just, and uh-huh. Steve was like, is this just a Dune remake? I'm like, <laughs> so he kept making Dune jokes. Um, yeah, it's so the Gamjabar. But yeah, so it was, it was a good time though. It was very fun. Every, every couple of minutes he was like, what the fuck? Who is that? He's like, I was like, and like, I was like, you'll never see that person again. And they will never explain. And he was like, what? I'm like, yep. Like the old lady. The psychic old lady, never again. You'll never oh, yeah. see her again. She comes up once and never again. So it's a good time. Um, just wanted to share that with the group because it was an incredible experience. <laughs> awesome. But um, so let's get into the other things we've watched. I want to hear about mm-hmm. found footage. Um, I saw you write this down. I got very excited. I, I now need to know. <laughs> I'm wondering if if guests are like surprised that it's me that's coming with the found footage this week. I am. I sure am. Well, okay. So I had to. I have to go through my backlog, and one of the recommendations was I have all four of the Wreck movies. Oh fuck yeah! I haven't watched. I haven't seen any of the other ones. I've only seen the first one. So I I I love the first one. We talked with Rob Savage about it. Iconic film. Great. Go listen to that episode if you want to hear us wax poetic or not so poetic. I don't know. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. About that movie. Dash cam. Okay. So then, and I, I believe I might have talked about Rec 2 at some point in this podcast. It's, it feels Maybe. very familiar. <laughs> Maybe the episode with Rob. I can't remember. But this is a movie that I think I've seen like four times and I never... Th- think that i've seen it until i start watching it and little bits of it go oh yeah this is gonna happen this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and that movie does something interesting where it starts with it starts immediately where the first one ended and it has like um like a swat team-esque thing descending on the the apartment building to go do stuff and it's following them for a bit and one of the the uh like medical operators is actually a priest and there's a lot of like religious horror stuff that kind of was set up from the end of the first one and the the undead now talk um, oh interesting he can command them to talk and holds a cross and stops them and all this kind of stuff and then halfway through the movie it flips to um perspective to a bunch of teenagers that um, end up getting inside the building and it's following them and they eventually meet up with the military and then oh. it's trying to escape the place again. And it has a bizarre twist at the very end that I'm not going to spoil yeah, in case people want to watch it. Don't. And so then I didn't watch Wreck 3 because okay. I didn't, I, I'd heard that it wasn't good and I heard that it didn't really have much to do with the, the side plot. I would disagree with that because by the fourth one, I guess a surviving character oh okay this the third one uh-huh. is int- is brought in but i think that if you watch wreck wreck 2 and wreck 4 apocalypse together it's almost like one whole long movie except wreck 4 decides who needs found footage oh we're just gonna film it traditionally and i didn't like it no i mean it's like... set on a boat 
That's like half the reason, yeah. like most of the reason why Wreck works is they use this found footage so well, and like you're in the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just feels like a traditional zombie movie. Ugh. Once we get to the fourth one, um, but it has like uh, it has the um, the reporter from the first one and a little bit of the second one um, showing up, and she's on a boat. She doesn't know why she's there, and some of the the cops are there that had got it's it's a whole thing. Hmm. And it just unfolds on the ship. Okay. It's a little weird. Okay. I didn't really care for it a whole lot. Um, some things were kind of fun, but overall I was like, this is not the way to end this franchise. <laughs> so unfortunately, it kind of ended on a sour note for me. But uh, Rec 1 and Rec 2. Rec 1 is, is iconic. Rec 2 is fun. Um, have not seen Rec 3. And Rec 4 was just meh. Okay. For me. Cool. But, I definitely need to watch yeah. the other ones. That has been on the list. I would really recommend Rec 2. Cool. I think it does some fun things with uh, um, expectations. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I love a, I love a good twist. A twist. Yeah. Um, silly old bear? <laughs> so um, I saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey in theaters yesterday. Um, wow, wow, wow. What an experience it was. So I went by myself. Cause it was like playing on a Wednesday. It was only playing on Wednesday or Thursday. And I was like, well, Wednesday, there's just no good day to go because it's the middle of the fucking week. Oh, no, it was only going on Wednesday. Never mind. It wasn't. I can't remember. Whatever. There was, whatever. Um, and there was like half the theater was full, which was, I was like, I thought there'd be more people there. But again, it's a fucking Wednesday. Like, I don't know. It's really weird timing. But someone was there dressed up as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh. Like a onesie. It was so funny. Wow. Um, <laughs> like the vibes were hysterical going in there. Like every, like it was quite, it was just like, you could tell everyone was just ready for something fucking nuts. And uh, nuts it was. And like surprisingly better than I expected it to be. Um, okay. Expectations were not high, obviously. And they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be high because it is what it is. Um, the Winnie, a Winnie the Pooh horror movie but it is like incredibly violent like really like at one point Winnie the Pooh takes Eeyore like a dead Eeyore's tail with a nail the nail at the end of it and is fucking flogging Christopher Robin and like you're watching his back split open from like the whips the whipping what the fuck like it's it is a wild experience because I think it is like the perfect embodiment of camp because it's taking itself so seriously and like thinks mm. that it is making something that is like actually a, like a scary movie and it just becomes a beautiful piece of camp where you're just like this is insane like you're doing like these like at one point like poo will go like this huh and the camera will like zoom in and there'll be a music sting like it's so funny oh my God. it is so funny in what it is and like there are some the editing is bizarre because sometimes it feels like it knows it's having fun and other times it's just like doesn't seem to know what it is and it tries also to be like a trauma movie in a way that i wasn't expecting and that didn't need to be and at one point winnie the pooh rips off a girl's shirt and her tits are just out while well, her head gets stuffed into a wood chipper so like it's like insane like it's fucking insane it's so weird like it just makes no sense the lot like an iconic delivery something is wrong with piglet he just no something's wrong with piglet he killed my wife like just 
in- incredible things that are done with so much like sincerity that it becomes a camp camp like actual camp yeah um <clears throat> it, it's it is exactly what you think it is but i had a lot of fun some of the, the kills are really good like i am actually pretty impressed with the amount of kills that that they accomplish um i just had fun it's like a stupid good time it, as you're talking about it it reminds me of those movies from like the 90s that you would find when you go to blockbuster and it's like just like these direct yep. to vhs movies like uh ginger dead man yep. or like jack frost or some of those yep. types of movies that are just a little a little scudsy a little weird <laughs> not maybe the best made movie but there's some kind of you get people together you imbibe your favorite thing and you just have a fun time is what it yeah like, like it's it's got it's like i wrote in my review that it has it's like reminiscent of like early odds torture porn and like how it approaches mm. violence which is really fascinating okay. which is really fascinating i was like this feels like a fucking like i spit on your grave remake like texas chainsaw massacre like not that good but like you know like that kind of gritty weird violence mm. but it's done by a guy in a winnie the pooh mask I do have to say, though, then something that really bothered me is, like, the lighting. And I usually am not one to, like, bitch about this stuff. The lighting for half the movie, you can't see anything. Like. Oh, really? Like, especially at the end. And it's, like, at one on one hand, it looks like they're trying to hide the budget with, like. And, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I was, like. I feel like maybe you could have just inched a light a little bit closer to these three people having a conversation. <laughs> like. I don't know. So again, like I say this knowing it is a micro budget movie that absolutely no one expected to be in theaters. Like it is a really cool thing. It's it's got look, it's got a weirdly similar trajectory to Skinamarink. Dread Central found it. Like I will I will toot our horn with this. Like we reported on it first because we we fucking were like, you know what? Like what is this? This is insane. Reported on it. And it went fucking viral, and then now it's here. And, like, not I'm not trying to take all the credit, but, like, it's cool to see micro-budget horror get that kind of attention nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. and, with the, and, like, now things are going into theaters again. It's weird. Like, it's just super weird that, like, it's these so micro-budget weird. weird-ass movies, like you said, this would be, like, a direct-video, like, blockbuster release. And it was meant to be like that. Like, one of those streaming movies that, like, you hear about as a joke, but nothing else comes of it. Mm-hmm. And now they're in theaters. Like, that's the kind of shit that's playing in theaters. And it's, like, it's kind of cool. Nowhere near me. Really? That's annoying. Nowhere near me. It and the Outwaters, nowhere near me. Because I would have killed to see the Outwaters in a theater. Yeah. There wasn't a lot around here either, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Perprina was asking if uh, the darkness is as bad as AVP Requiem. I have actually never seen. I haven't AVP seen that Requiem, one either. But I do know that it is that movie. That movie was dark as. Fuck. Think like the Game of Thrones finale that everyone bitched about, like that <laughs> level of like, what the fuck is the lighting here? But here it's more excusable because it's like a ten thousand dollar, like fifty thousand dollar movie. Um. So yeah, I mean, like. If you want to have a good time and just laugh and, like, get really high and watch something ridiculous and, like, get to see some really cool kills and some pretty interesting practical effects and just, like, giggle, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Andrew Scott Bell did the score. It's really, like, weirdly good for a movie like this, which kind of makes me laugh. And, like, that's not a bad thing. It's just, like, wild. Um, so, yeah. I, I better, literally so much better than I expected. So, you know what? It's a win. Whatever. <laughs> All of the bad reviews just, like, don't have a sense of humor, I think. <laughs> Uh, sorry <laughs> gauntlet thrown it's, it's not, it's not, i don't know man like what the fuck did you expect going into that you know like i gave it okay i gave it two and a half stars it was like a rave review but it was like this movie's fucking fun just go see it why not people who are like oh this is trash i'm like of course it's trash what did, did you expect <laughs> what do you the poop and honey you didn't think Yes, the pinnacle of art. Is it hereditary? (laughs) (laughs) I know one like a hereditary movie with like. It's just. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. If you want just get dumb fun and it was playing near you, I I recommend. It's worth it, I think. Um, Young adult romance. Let's just jump into it because, again, (laughs) once again, it's just there's not much I can do there. (laughs) (laughs) so i resisted reading this for the longest time because it looked too precious for words and it seemed a little ridiculous okay and i'm like i eh." but there's a movie version of it coming out later this year from amazon and i was like it's it was like one of the best reviewed books from i think 2019 when it came out it was like best book of the year for a variety of places and i was like okay i will finally get this book and it's red white and royal blue and it is the story of alex claremont diaz who is the president's son and he has this it's basically a rival to lover's story and he has a rival in the prince of wales uh, Henry, who he thinks is an utter dick and he hates. And at like a party in the UK, there's a another meet cute kind of between them where Alex ends up falling into a cake and knocking over a $50,000 cake and trashing it. And it becomes like this international problem between them. And so then the, t- the the UK and the White House are like, we have to manufacture a friendship between them so that people don't think that this is like... What? It's what ridiculous. What are you saying to me right now? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> that sounds so... like the most fucking like, early 2000s rom-com shit of my life. And I, lo- I love it. But it sounds like an Amanda Bynes movie. Like, is is better yes. on speed dial? <laughs> Obviously, it's men. But anyway... And so then they they basically have established these play dates between the two of them. So they're, they're sh- basically so they're like photoshopped around or like you know photographs around, and they'll show up in people and oh all this stuff as they are really good friends. And of course, they fall in love. No, of course really? they have to keep it quiet because America is homophobic. The UK. Is homophobic, and so we can't have the two the two royals of their respective countries uh, can't be queer doing the nasty. 
And so they have to like keep it secret. And you know how this is going to play out. You know that eventually it's going to get leaked. You know that there's going to be all this stuff happening. You know that it's they're going to break up. and ha- it, it follows all those little tropey things. But it's really cute. It's really well written for the most part. I do think it doesn't really know when to end. Uh, there's a lot of like the third act of the book just keeps uh, okay. going. I'm like, it, it's YA, right? So think, there's no sex. Well, so here's the thing. This is, I would say this is like a step in between YA and adult literature. Okay. Okay. Because there's a lot of, there's a copious amounts of the word fuck. There is sex up to a point okay. where they don't describe, like, it's not eroticism. So they don't necessarily they describe what's happening. These are, these, these are people. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's no MILF manner. No one is pulling a Jimmy here. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> but they're, and they're, they're, in, they're, they're in their 20s, so it's like they're, they're a little bit Okay, so it's like adults. Like, they're adults. They're not teenagers. Yeah. Okay. But it's like when it gets to the actual act of like sexy time, there's a stopping point where they just they go a little bit. It's like a fade out, basically. And they like don't explain anything that's like going on they just sort of talk in euphemisms <laughs> it seems like so it's almost like a stepping stone i would okay. say between like teen like love victor type stuff and like some of the more risque adult romances i've read mm. a little bit in between okay. but it's cute i'm actually really looking forward to the movie because i think the movie will streamline a whole lot of it okay and it will be a little bit better but it was good it's entertaining it's cute. it was cute okay Me too. Bones. I finally watched Hosetta, the Bone Woman. Yeah. I watched it a couple weeks ago, but I didn't want to bring it up till closer to release. But um, I know that you've seen it, uh, mm-hmm. and I I love it so much. It's it's so gay, and it's so queer, and it's so punk. And it's really good. And I don't. I know it's coming out. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But um, if you haven't seen it around, it's about a woman who is pregnant. Like it's about. It kind of follows her. Get like fo- like follows her as she's trying to get pregnant. To when she gets pregnant. To when she has the baby. Of like her experience of being a first time mother and how you know she thinks is what she wants. She thinks she has like the perfect husband. Blah blah blah. But as as like the more time we spend with her as a character, the more we realize that like she is not necessarily the most like nurturing or motherly person and this is kind of her trying to fit into a role and maybe fit into a family that is very traditional and she is trying to conform to life in a way that will make her like more accepted by her family and more kind of understood but there are some pretty horrible consequences of trying to shove yourself into a box that you really don't belong in um it's really fucking good the way it handles that in the way that it, yep. like there's a, a, a sex scene like a pregnant sex scene which is like the hottest shit ever like i'm not saying details just but like we never see like pregnancy and sex as, as more than like a ha like ew gross it's a baby mm-hmm. so getting, or like a fetish yeah thing. so like getting pregnant sex and there's just the way motherhood is portrayed here is like in a way that I don't think we've ever seen in horror. Um, and it's just really important and very good. And I think everyone needs to see it. 
I think a lot of straight people are talking about this movie, which frustrates me because like, everyone <laughs> keeps talking about how this is like a, a pregnancy horror. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But it's more about the idea of like someone who is queer trying to be forced into a heteronormative relationship. And that's where like the horror comes from, not being authentic to yourself and giving up what makes you in order to be presentable. And in order to, you know, have that kind of picture-perfect heteronormative life that everyone seems to think that everyone wants. And I love what it does with that. And I, oh, I love this movie so much. Yeah. I'm so glad you saw it finally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fair that there are so many movies that are already contending for, like, my favorite of the year. And it's only fucking February. <laughs> like, that's I know. unfair. And I, and I mean that in a good way. But, like. All of the things I loved last year finally came out this year. So it's like, ah, shit. Like, I mean, and, but like, it's just all the good shit's coming out. So yeah, I know a lot of people are excited, but like we said at the beginning, like it's queer, it's queer directed, like a lot of the other, like kind of lower budget horror movies coming out. So please support that one too. And it's by a queer woman of color. Yes. Yes. Like no shade to our friends, but all the other movies are by white uh white guy like white gay guys and so this is a queer woman of color uh which is awesome and it just deserves way more attention i mean it's getting a lot it is okay it's getting a lot right now i I think there's a i think it's got like a decent actual marketing budget for a movie of its size so that's really cool to see because this is the kind of movie that i feel like a lot of like might fall under the radar but xyz is doing a really good job about trying to get the word out xyz man they're putting out good stuff obsessed like xyz really is like getting the good shit so you know a lot of the queer shit too yes they are a really good home for queer for queer horror i love that um because they did hypochondriac last year so yeah but that is bone woman out now on vod and digital so please check it out highly highly recommend it um, and then, and like, just like swinging in another direct, like, in another direct, well, you know, like, kind of queer, no, you know what, there are similarities, sexy queerness in this, these two new episodes of Chucky, one of which had me sweating. Um, so these are episodes five and six. Three <laughs> I was like, I knew, I knew, I knew I was going to say the wrong one. I knew I was. Uh, yeah. I did watch Three and four of Chucky. of Chucky, and they're weird. Six is not six. What the fuck? Four, four especially. Jesus. Um, because in three we're focused on like brainwashing Chucky, I guess, and like like in a nutshell, and then in doing basically clockwork oranging him, and then four is like i don't even know but it's all about glenn glenda jennifer tilly um, it's a bound reunion meg tilly shows up it's fuck and sutton from real housewife shows up so like incredible it was a treat it, both of these were a treat also because ethel kane plays in one of the <laughs> i've been waiting i've been waiting for you to like get to that moment i was like i'm like- sorry is that Ethel Kane playing in Chucky season two? No, <laughs> f- 
fucking way. It was. And I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember which ones I had seen. Um, And I thought I had just seen the first two, but I have seen the third one. Oh, okay. And that is where I ended up stopping. Because, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember this episode when I started watching it again. Um, But it's. (laughs) This episode, I feel like, almost jumps the shark a little bit in some ways because we have, like, muscle. Bodybuilder like, these these two episodes are truly just like you might be losing me like a teeny bit like it was a, it, it, like and it's not that they weren't great but like muscle what is muscle chucky i like don't under like they brainwashed chucky kind of um and then muscle chucky shows up and he's ripped and i was <laughs> Where are and he has a deep like a deep Chucky are voice. All these dolls coming from? I don't understand. He Why are there so many? Punches the heart out of one oh, of the kids. Oh my god! Punch it like the little shit who I thought was going to be more of a problem just gets his heart punched yes. out immediately. I was like, the show, I love it. And just imme- is immediately just like, no, you thought this kid was going to be a problem? Fuck that. Um, that's that was one of the notes I yeah. took was that what I love about this show is how it swerves, and so Trevor's set up to be kind of the worst, and he's set up to be sort of like the 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 human villain yeah. of the show. And an episode later, his heart is fucking punched out. His death does complicate things, but his heart is punched out, and he's dead. He's dead. There's an incredible shot where I never skip arm day. Steve was walking by when I was watching that, and I and I, I said that quote to him. He's like, "No one skips Arm Day." I'm like, "Shut up! It's Chucky." <laughs> Shut up. Um, but there's a shot I think of when Jake is like gonna stab Chucky's eye. It's like Chucky's eye, and then there's a reflection of Jake on the knife. And I'm like, this this show like the whole franchise plays really well with like just looking really cool. Like it always is playing with like a cinematography in such an interesting way and it's always like it's it's almost like a surprise because it's not all of the time so when it has these moments it's like really it's a nice little another like treat of watching it it's just kind of watching them play with form a little bit and especially well and like speaking Mm -hmm. of playing with fucking form like episode four starts off with chucky hosting a game show like hosting a shock show and like it's it's put in acts like it's like a like a typical it's like a hollywood it's like it's just a weird episode it's a very weird episode that i was like interesting not they sure into the acts they give title cards for it's a jennifer tilly mystery act one glenda poses an incommodious question like it goes through like all these different act breaks of like a, a tv show act because there's like six six acts in it six acts in it my gosh say that six <laughs> times fast um and it's basically a murder mystery set at jennifer tilly's mansion starring jennifer tilly glenn and glenda uh joey panta oh yeah <laughs> i always think pantaloons joni panta nope, I, I can't say it nope um gina gershon uh that real housewives person that I had to look up. Like, Who is this person? Sutton. Um, and it's very weird. I think it's probably 
the weakest episode, even though like yeah. it feels like it's giving me everything I want. It's I think the problem is it's too fan servicey. I think that what mm-hmm. has really done this this series so good is that it didn't it doesn't up until this point really lean into fan service. And I think what's weird is like the fan service that this is leaning into. Like I understand because like it's Jen- it is Jennifer Tilly and like we're putting you know her in her most iconic role from um from bound but like it's just it feels a little bit like a stretch and that sounds so fucked up to say to watch like a bound reunion with like gina gershon putting her hands up her dress and i'm just like i just want to watch bound again um but like it doesn't feel like an episode of chucky I had fun because I mean we, we get Glenn and Glenda like we it's like it's a murder mystery like I would watch like a Knives Out like this you know what I mean like because basically the, she makes it like a murder mystery so no one will find out that she's got Nika locked up in her fucking bedroom and it's this like elaborate ruse and like it just gets so ridiculous and like kind of meta and pokey funny and like again the whole series is like is about this but it's like too far i guess is like what i'm trying to say i do think it sort of yeah i do think it kind of takes it a little a little too far like i appreciated some of it but some of it i'm like and i get from like a structural situation what this is doing because i grew up in like the watching a lot of television in the late 80s, early 90s that would have, like, a murder mystery episode. Saved by yeah. the Bell had a murder mystery episode. Yeah. Like, a lot of these would have that kind of um, everyone's stuck in one location, something weird's going on, it's a murder mystery, yada, yada, yada. And I think that this kind of plays winky fun with some of that type of episodes. Yeah. It's just a little too much. It's, like, too tongue-in-cheek. Because I think because this whole mm-hmm. time it's, it's, we've been tongue-in-cheek, but we've still been kind of, like... It just, it feels so jarring from after, like, season one and then half of season two to, like, all of a sudden play with the form like this. And again, like, I like that. I like the risk. Like, I mean, again, like, you're not going to find out if you don't take the risk. And I think it's really interesting. I just think it doesn't necessarily, like, fit as much. Um, But, hey. I it still loved it. I last, got like, really fucking yeah. distracted while I was watching it. I was like, everyone just looked really hot in this episode. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does move the, the plot forward a yes. bit in the last like bit of it that I appreciated. I'm a little confused about how the arm situation is working with me. Yeah, that... <laughs> she whipped out the arms. I was like, what in God's name? Where am I? Like, what is happening right now? She's being turned into the Terminator, it looks like. Like, she has these, like, weird robotic arms where she's been nubbed off. And she's holding a gun and she's going to shoot. It's it's a little ridiculous. Kyle shows back up, so Kyle's still alive. Uh, Glenn and Glenda are are in on the ruse to stop them, I guess. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure on that. But, yeah. Um, and there's like super Some... Chucky too. <laughs> and some WWE performer shows up. Oh, is that who that is? On Chucky's show. Yeah. Liv Morgan. Oops. I don't know anything about that. She's a WWE superstar. And like it cuts to clips of her, I think on a podcast, like actually talking about how she wants to be cast in Chucky to be killed. And so that's what happens here. She gets stabbed over and over and over by chucky it's um i don't know it's there 
<laughs> wasn't my favorite episode. Yeah. Although I liked individual moments of yeah. it. I loved that everyone was like wanting to fuck Jennifer Tilly and in love with Jennifer Tilly. I love that. I love seeing her and Gina Gershon together. And again, I loved Housewives and Horror Man. It's my favorite shit. Like, it's just so <laughs> funny. So, but yeah, then yeah. next. So week. we are like at the halfway point. Jesus, we're chugging. We're chugging through. I love um God. Who's the little fucking red curly head, curly redhead? Nadine. She's so uh, I'm, cute. She is. I'm afraid she's going to die. Just she I'm was afraid. like Mary, mother of God, Jesus, fuck. I was just like God. She's so good, and everyone is like, oh, I just I love her. She's an incredible character. I love her as part of the crew. Keep her, mm-hmm. please. I she'll probably get killed, this- but I love her. There's this moment when she's like figuring out that that Jake and Devin are actually dating, and like she's like you can see it on her on her face. She's like, "Aw," and then she like smiles, and it's like happiness. I was like, "Yes, this is, it's adorable." She is a great, she's a great addition. When she's talking to Lexi, Jesus, why did I forget about like her drug addiction? She's like, "You're not going to be happy all the time," and I can't mean to understand that. Like, it's like a very empathetic response. And I think that this is a show that is so empathetic, which I think sounds silly on the surface, but, like, I feel like Chucky, like, the franchise has always been kind of empathetic. I think that Chucky himself has moments of empathy. I'm not saying he is empathetic necessarily, but, like, I think there are moments where, like, he does show forms of, like, fucked up empathy. And I think the show really plays into that in terms of, like, loving each other and like being kind which i think is like really incredible for a show about a killer doll it's got some of the best messages about empathy i've ever seen so like fuck yeah i'm glad you know what i'm fucking glad kids are watching this shit and this is the shit that kids need to see you know what but like i know that sounds silly but like come on like if this fucking show can teach kids like hey here's how to like empathize with somebody and like be there for them like fuck yeah and it's a fucking yeah. killer doll who says some bad words sometimes. <laughs> and kills a lot of parents. Yeah. Fuck, fuck them parents. <laughs> um, uh. But yeah, so I'm excited for actual episodes five and six. <laughs> yeah. It's, We're on the, the back slope. We're almost done. We're almost wrapped up with. It's so hard not to just keep watching them when I'm watching them. They're just, like, super easy to binge. They're just really good. You're like, oh, cool, I have to go know what's happening next. But it has been good to kind of, like, space them out. Awesome. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about on um, next on le- next week is going to be episodes five and six. And then who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? Oh, my God. So we are chatting with Haley Piper, the author of No Gods for Drowning and Queen of Teeth. And she wrote with her the motherfucking blob from 1988. Fucking so incredible i'd never seen the blob before best best time ever most fucked up movie ever so monday is going to be a good one y'all so get stooped one of my favorite one of my favorite movies ever it is in it typically stays in my top four on letterboxd because i just love this movie so much and and i'm so happy that we got to talk about yeah it. definitely uh lots of good conversations about how like the thing is incredible and the blob is just as incredible and sometimes the effects actually surpass the thing so it should be getting uh-huh. it needs just like so much more attention and it's final girl is the best final girl i tweeted about her and i didn't realize like totally forgot that she was in fucking saw the saw movies yep. later 
So like, fuck yeah, Shawnee Smith. Shawnee Smith, man. So um, yeah, it's an incredible episode. So watch the blob before that, just because why don't watch the fucking blob? It's a great fucking movie. It's a great movie. It's so good. Um, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch or read any of the things that we talked about and have thoughts? Uh, do you have suggestions for things that we should be watching? You can let us know uh, via email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at MV McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Drew. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Uh, and if you want to help support us more, we have a Patreon. Uh, you can join Kate and Perperina like tonight to, and watch us do this live. Or if you can't make it, we have videos on Fridays. And uh, it's great. And you can see weird cameos of my fun. husband poking his head through the door every once in a while. <laughs> uh, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend what is the briefing room it's a behind the scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system if you love true crime well these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served hi i'm detective dave I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>